right, you guys, welcome, welcome. Again, we got dessert. We've got drinks. But it's 610, so we're going to start. And just so you guys know, like, you can, always, you can always get up and get food and drinks. You know what I mean? If you have a question, you can always put your hand in the air. Um, it's that kind of stuff. I think the dessert probably tastes good. It would be wasted on my taste buds, but Anne pulled it out and she goes, oh, it would have been a lot better last night when she made it. But it tastes good, right? Yeah. That's all. She's critical of her cooking like I'm critical of all my talks. Like every time I leave, I get home, and I'm like, I don't know. That one felt weird. And they almost all always feel that way. They just kind of do. But if you're new and you want to be bugged about what we do or be reminded in our crazy, hectic, crazy world, put your name on here and then put your phone number. And then you'll get that text from me on the day of that says, hey, don't forget, we're meeting tonight. Whoop, whoop. See you there, hopefully. Um, yeah, and you'll get some emails too. And sometimes I get in a kick and I send out a fun email and it's like got all kinds of stuff in it. More recently, it's been like the basic email that just says, hey, don't forget, MTL's happening and it's coming and it's coming or check out the podcast. We made some new posters. What? Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday and I'll post, I'll post the wrong date and the wrong time. And so it doesn't help you at all. <laughs> so that's just the way I kind of roll. We made some new posters. Hey, if you want to take one and you know of a great place to... Put one, do it, take one tonight, they're over there, they're free, like take them. If you own a business, put it up for us. Like just spread the word. If you wanna help us put posters around, take some, just put them up. Like nobody gets really mad at us for putting these up anywhere. You know, like it's a good, good thing, a good space. So the posters are over there. Um, they've got like a kind of a little synopsis on it. Even if you don't want a poster and you just wanna invite people to this, maybe read the little synopsis. Cause this is always one of those hard things to talk about. I always describe it as like AA but not, you know, like, and then people are like, well, now I'm intrigued. Like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like we get together and maybe like I talk about something that clicks with you or maybe it doesn't, but at least you kind of get the little bump to go out the next day, the next week and feel like you can crush it again. You know what I mean? And you kind of connect with some people and feel like you're not alone um, in this thing called life, which is kind of nuts. But also with that, my last talk was all about human connection and interaction. It was like, hey, we need to do that. And there's no equivalent. That was the title of it. We just posted the podcast. It's on there. It says no equivalent. There's no equivalent for human interaction and connection. It doesn't exist. We try to substitute it. God knows. We buy pets. I'm not saying pets are bad. I hope everybody heard that last time. I'm not a pet hater. But pets do extraordinary things for us, but they don't do what humans do, right? Um, human connection and interaction is really important. So I said we were going to post this little list over there. It's over there. This is like the one that we add once the other one's filled. But this is the MTL list that says, hey, sure, call me or text me, and I, I'll talk or I'll hang out. I'm just going to take everybody's names and everybody's phone numbers, and I'm going to make a bigger list. And I'm going to make it available to all of you. That's it. Really easy. You know? So you might get a text from someone in this group. You might get a call from someone in this group that says, hey, do you want to go to breakfast? Do you want to hang out for lunch? Could we just talk? Anything like that. That's all the list is for. Because human connection, no equivalent. It's pretty valuable. It's pretty important stuff. So I ended last week with saying that I was going to talk about this idea of what, Chapo? Do you remember? Leisure. Leisure. Leisure here. 
he's kind of like got his foot in two different worlds, so he calls it leisure. Um, but I was going to talk about leisure, and then that was plan A. Plan A was leisure, leisure, because I've been reading about it, I've been studying about it, I've been talking with some friends about it, asking questions about it. And then life happened, right? Life happened. Um, this pastor that I grew up with just passed away from pancreatic cancer. And so that day I was like forced into this like really reflective, crazy, weird state. And I was thinking a lot that day and writing a lot that day and journaling a lot that day. Um, in the past two weeks, I got news from a dear friend that they're getting divorced. And it was kind of a blindside kind of a thing. And that happened. I also like went to this wedding with tons of Sky alumni. And I saw some Sky students that I hung out with forever that I have not seen in so long. And it just, all these things keep pushing me to this place. And then most recently, um, I went through a really tough healing experience. Let's just call it that. This has all happened to me in the past two weeks. Not to mention the fact that I don't see him in the room. Oh, he's back in the corner. He's back there. My middle kid is going to turn 13 really soon. And we're throwing this thing for him called a not mitzvah because we're not Jewish. And so we, we threw it for Silas when he turned 13. And we have like lots of family members and some friends write our boys letters of what does it mean? What does it mean to be a man in the world? What does that look like to you? Write a letter to our 13-year-old and tell him all about it. And then we kind of get them all together. And then we read all these letters out loud on behalf of those people, in front of him, and it ends with some tears and some great moments, and it's just this awesome thing. And so, like, I've been thinking about my letter to my soon-to-be 13-year-old. The past two weeks have been plan B, 100%. And so I was like, well, I don't think I can talk about leisure. I don't think I can do it. I think I've got to curb that. Because, right, right, next time, maybe next time, maybe next time. So tonight, uh, I titled the talk, a life preoccupied, simply because when I got news about this pastor that I was connected to kind of growing up, I've shared so many stories about him, and he gets such a bad rap out of my mouth because the majority of what I learned um, was a lot of negativity. And shaking her head, yep, yep. Yeah, there was a lot of baggage there, a lot of baggage, a lot of things that came out that were just like crazy. Um, so... I was confronted with that whole idea, wow, again, well, here's this person I knew, pretty influential in my life in lots of ways. And um, man, it's that whole like, you get hit with this life is short, life is fragile. And then like, I'm like, oof, all I remember is like mostly negative stuff. And so I'm just kind of like thinking about that and turning that around. And then some of the questions I were coming up with, with I was coming up with these questions like, so my life, like what's, what's my voice? What's my content? What's my like message? Like, what do people leave my presence like feeling and knowing? You know what I mean? Like just kind of holding all of that. I also was thinking about like, man, I really need to prioritize in my life the important things. I really need to do that. And that like is like a to-do list, the never ending. It's always on there and it's near the bottom um, because all the other stuff of life has to be taken care of. But me prioritizing the stuff that truly matters doesn't necessarily 
have to happen. No one's breathing down my neck. No one's being like, hey, did you get that done? <laughs> you still working on that? And so that's kind of one of those bottom things. And so I was asking, man, I really need to prioritize uh, the stuff in my life that truly matters. And so I don't know if I've ever shared with you guys. I think I have. But if you haven't heard, like I, I always kind of like ball up my entire existence and yours too into like three categories. And it's like my story and it's all my stuff that's going on and happening. And it's kind of like pretty small and inward. And then it bumps out to like our story, you know, like my experiences with you. And then it bumps up to like the biggest story. And that's like everybody from everywhere of all time and all of the universe, you know. And it's like that's kind of the biggest story. And we're like this little blip in it and this little chapter. And I'm not trying to minimize how important that is because it's important. But at the same time, it's all of this stuff connected. And every now and then I have those moments where I feel like all three of those stories click in this crazy awesome way and it just feels really good. And it's like suddenly I'm aware of my story, our story, and the biggest story and everything's like aligned. And it's like, I mean, I would say like the stars are aligned. It's like working. And those are those moments that I would love to grab a hold of and I would love to kind of slow them down. I'd love to press pause if I could. But they're these deep fulfilling, crazy, awesome moments that I'm going to call sacred moments. Because sacred, at the end of the day, just means it's worth protecting. And so there are these sacred moments in life when all three stories just kind of click and they align. And suddenly everything's really simple. And it's revealing in this kind of almost bothersome way because suddenly you realize all the stuff that's just stuff, and it feels like maybe 80%. <laughs> it's just stuff, and you're like, wait a second. So how can I mess around? What can I do? And so these sacred moments come along, and tonight I want to talk about being, being aware of them, looking for them, anticipating them, like trying to find them, certainly being in touch and in tune with when they come along, and hopefully living your life preoccupied with those sacred moments, right? You probably saw this and you thought it was like a negative term. I love to take negative stuff and flip it and like be like, wait, no, 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 no. Live a life preoccupied. Because so much of the world is screaming at you, hey, worry about this 80%, this stuff that's just stuff and it's just fluff and it doesn't matter and no one's trying to make you do it. But most of the time, that's the stuff that really, really counts. It's the stuff that really, really matters. And we should be living our lives preoccupied with that stuff. And then everything else is fine. Now, Pastor Jack. Pastor Jack. Now, I went to this church for a while. You know what I mean? And for all the negative stuff that I've ever said about this dude, and you didn't even know his name, and I won't even give you his last name. I'm not trying to, like, smear him. You know what I mean? But I do want to tell one story, and some of you have probably heard it, and it's this crazy story because my life has been, like, super ordinary and very supernatural all at the same time. I went to this church that was crazy, um, literally. And, like, you know what I'm saying? It was, like, a lot of wild stuff. Like, if you've ever seen wild stuff go down, Phil went to one of those churches where it was pretty wild, and you weren't sure what's happening. I mean, yeah, laughing, yep, people laughed. Like, it was weird. People fell down. It was weird. Like, people spoke in tongues. It was weird. Like, I mean, if you could just put your hand up and be like, did this happen? I bet I could be like, yep. Um, so... That's kind of the short and sweet on that, but I'm in high school, and Pastor Jack um, 
calls me forward, and I go forward in front of the whole church. I'm in high school, mind you, so I'm pretty self-conscious, right? I mean, come on. And I'm up front, and he decides to do this thing called prophecy. Um, He decides to speak on behalf of God about me and says all these things, like God says this. And I'm in high school, so this is a bunch of crap anyway, right? I mean, it's all weird. Um, And so, like, he goes on and on, and he says all this stuff, and and I was remembering it. And I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, I don't know, is God real? Like, I, I don't know. I still wake up sometimes and ask that question. But, like, I'm like, really, like, is this for real? And it's all these things. And it was like, it was almost like telling the future. It was like busting open a fortune cookie and reading it out loud. Phil is going to fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And anyway, we go home. My parents are in the car. They're like, so what did you think about that? And I was like, I don't know what to think about that. That was pretty strange. And they were like, well, what's strange about it? And I was like, well, he said that I would like be at trampoline centers. That's like the thing that stuck out to me. I was like, God said I would literally be at trampoline centers. I was like, what the hell is a trampoline center? Like, I didn't even know. This is back in like 1993, 1992. Trampoline centers didn't exist. So then my dad goes like this, well, they used to have these places when I was growing up, you know, and uh, like three trampolines, and you'd go there, and you'd pay money, and you'd jump on the trampoline. I'm like, well, they don't have them anymore. Like, they're not even around. They don't even exist. What does this even mean? I'm like, so, hey, mom and dad, Supposedly, God just spoke through this dude that I would do all these things and that I would also be at trampoline centers which don't exist anymore. Sound fake? Sound phony? Sound messed up? Yeah. Okay, so anyway, my mom literally got a recording on a tape of that night and she kept it forever, right? Because it also said all kinds of things. Like Phil's going to, he's going to work with students and he's going to change their lives. And, and I see him standing in front of kids, and they're sitting on couches. And, and he just says stuff, and kids just respond. And people just listen. And, all, and it was like all this crazy stuff. And by the way, he's also going to be a trampoline center. And it was like, so all this stuff compiled into one. And I'm, much, I'm a pretty all or nothing kind of person. Like when you're like, I'm a vegetarian, you say that to me, I'm like, do you eat fish? And then it's got to be all or nothing, you know? And so you either accept this whole thing or not. Now, I go to college, I do my thing. We look at going to Romania, being house parents of an orphanage. We wind up out here in Breckenridge, Colorado. We think we're going to be here three to five years. We end up staying here for almost 20 now. And we end up running this organization called Summit County Youth. And we take students all over the place, and we do really cool stuff. At one point, we got to redo this room that was downstairs. And I was like, well, let's put couches in it. Let's like cover it with couches. Let's do really cool stuff. And this, this program just takes off. And I, by the way, never, ever think about this thing. Never. Like, it's just not even a part of my existence anymore. And then there's this one night when I take down and had to stay home. And I went with, I think, three or four leaders. We took down like four suburban fulls of high school students. And we end up, we're taking them to the scariest haunted house that we could find in Denver. Because, like, I was never allowed to go to those, and I want to take students to those because it's fun. And so they get really freaked out. And so we're going down there. And on the way down there, we pass this car, and it's been pulled over by the police. And a bunch of the kids were like, hey, that's so-and-so's car. And we were like, what? No way. And then long story made short, 
I end up helping the police catch one of my students and bust him because like he stole a car and was doing all kinds of sideways shit. So that's what that was. But all the students were like heartbroken over this, right? They literally were down at Denver West, sitting at whatever, Qdoba, glued to the window, watching three of their buddies get handcuffed and put into the cop car. And it put a damper on the whole haunted house thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was one of those moments. And so us and the leaders, we got together, and they were like, what should we do? And I said, I don't know. I really don't know. And then one of my leaders was like, hey, this kid that's with us, this kid, I don't know his name, he came with so-and-so, who's a regular. Anyway, he works at this place, and he said we should take all the students there. And I'm like, cool, let's just do it, because we can't go to a haunted house now. If anything, everybody just needs to have some fun and feel like a good time. Like, we can't go just scare the crap out of people. So we're like, OK, let's do that. And then we end up calling this place to see if we could come. They squared it all away, and I was just along for the ride. I'm the caboose, the rear end, you know, following, just getting people there. And um, it's been an emotional ride for me, no doubt, the students getting arrested and all this kind of stuff. And we finally get there, and I haven't eaten any food because I was dealing with this whole other thing. And we had this awesome, awesome leader, Jen, who was on the trip with me. And so she and I are planning to go get some food while the students do whatever this is, because I don't even know. And we literally like, get to this place. We get all the kids in. And I have to sign millions of waivers, because I'm their parent, obviously, now. And so we sign their life away. And not sure what's happening here, we go in. And this kid, Zach, who that was his first time with us, but he ended up like coming to Sky for the rest of his high school career. We walk in, and I'm next to him. And I'm like, hey, so where do you work? What is this place? And there was only one of them at the time. And it was a brand new venture that started down in Denver. And it was called Jump Street. And we had no clue what it was. Like, we've been working with students up until this point for like eight, I don't know, seven years. And it just didn't happen down there. And no one had ever started it. And we walk in, and it's wall-to-wall trampolines. And I kid you not, <laughs> I like wanted to just fall down. It was this crazy, crazy, weird, weird moment for me. And so like, I grabbed Jen, and I was like, we got to go get some food. And I got a story to tell you, <laughs> right? I got the tape sent to me from my mom. We also had it written down. I went back and looked at that thing, and I was like, this is crazy. So for all the crap I give Pastor Jack, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? We're all, we're all flawed individuals. We all kind of operate, hopefully, on our best intentions. But man, that was nuts. That was crazy for me. I can't really explain that. That was one of those sacred moments for me. That was one of those moments for me that I desperately wish, hope, and pray for all of you, and especially my boys, you know, that you will have kind of this moment when those three stories align, and somehow you're made aware. And I don't know what term works for you. God is still like a term that is okay for me, and I don't even know how it's okay for me still, to be honest. But for me, it still communicates like that personality, that divine presence. Like, I don't know what you have to call it, but here's the deal. You're not alone. And I swear to God that there is a personality, a presence, a divine something out there that knows you and loves you. 
And I told students that for 15 years. Not sure if it was making a dent, not sure if it was helping sometimes. Like I said, you get up and talk, and I still get nervous to get up and talk. I get nervous at every wedding, every time I'm invited anywhere to speak. Like, my stomach still does the butterfly thing, and I'm like, all right, I'm still human. Like, it's all good. And I still walk away pretty critical, being like, I have no clue. I just threw a bunch of stuff out there. <laughs> and I have no clue what happened. But sometimes I'm just still giving a little listen. Because I'm still trying to listen for that divine presence. I'm still trying to listen to maybe what I should say, what's on my heart. What plan B happened in the past two weeks, and what plan A do I have to curb? to make sense of something on this random night for other people and myself. Now, again, the whole negative thing is certainly there, though. I picked up a lot of baggage for Pastor Jack, right? And I've been living in response to that my entire life. I'm like, you said this, and I said this, you know, like 100%. I mean, I heard you said, nah, 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 nah. And I'm just living in response to that. And sometimes I get inspired, and I don't know if, like, did anybody read the book Big Magic? Like, she's got a great definition of inspiration in there about how, how ideas are like personalities and they're alive. And I don't know if you've ever watched Shark Tank, but I swear, I watched Shark Tank, and I'm like, I had that idea. Like, I swear, I had it, I had it. It was a brief moment, but it came to me, and I didn't pursue it, and I didn't pay attention to it, and so it left me, and it went to somebody else, and they did something with it. You know what I mean? And sometimes, like, they know this very well in the scientific community, that, like, on separate parts of the world, and especially before we were so well-connected, but, like, even before we were well-connected, you've got one person on this side of the world working on the exact same thing that this person's working on, and they make the same scientific discoveries like around the same time. And who gets the credit? It's probably whoever's the loudest or whatever. But there's kind of this idea with inspiration that there is some sort of collective consciousness inviting us forward, guiding us and leading us and nudging us and pushing us. And for me, again, I love that idea that that divine presence somewhere out there is helping us on our way, bringing us forward. And it's also important to remember forward, not backward, because everybody loves to think there were these glory days. Like, and it was awesome when, and it was awesome when, but we are on this forward path, and we're moving towards something good. I really do believe that with all of my heart. Now, I got to keep this moving. I got to keep this moving. Uh, my dear friend who's getting divorced, and all the Sky alumni. I'm lumping those two together. Because I do want to stress again tonight, sacred moments, sacred moments. Relationships are so important. So important. Man. Like, every time I hear of anybody near me getting divorced, who I never thought in the world that could happen to, right? I'm always like, oh, I'm pretty naive to think that I don't have to take care of this. Right? To just kind of go on autopilot. And that can extend to all of your relationships. If you've got those close friends and you just think, like, we can ride this wave and push autopilot, you're wrong. Relationships, whatever they are, take an extreme amount of work. Intention, focus, energy, time, money. Like, they're not easy, but they're so worth it. They're so worth it. I bumped into some of these Sky students that I hadn't seen in forever. 
And the first thing that happened was this kid, uh, Tommy Moles, haven't seen him forever. <laughs> haven't seen Tommy Moles forever. And first of all, like, the kid is ripped. And I feel like he grew like a foot or I shrank and gravity is against me now. You know? But I bump up to him and Tommy just looks at me. He's like, Phil, oh, it's been so long. Oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't seen you in so long. And I was like, shut up and give me a hug. You know, like, give me a hug. And um, we just started crying. And, and immediately he pulled out. Now, this is a kid I met. I met him when he was in sixth grade. In sixth, sixth, sixth. He was coming out of fifth, and he was going into middle school. He was entering middle school. And... Um, and he was, he was like, man, do you remember all the crazy stuff we did? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember all the crazy stuff. I said, do you remember when you guys wanted to jump out the window at the middle school? Like, I would pull up in this, like, suburban, and they would be like, Phil, can you turn up the music? I'm like, yeah. They're like, Phil, can we jump out of the windows instead of the doors? I'm like, absolutely. This is awesome. Like, jump out of the doors. And then I got a call from teachers. And the teachers were like, that's pretty dangerous, you know? Like, uh, I don't think you should have those kids jumping out. And I was like, you know what? Um, give it a year, and they won't want to do it because they're going to be so self-conscious about girls and looking stupid. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, let them do it while they can do it. It's not like they're, like, doing something crazy. Like, this is awesome. Let them be kids. Let them have fun. So they were like, all right, fine, fine, fine. And so, like, but I was telling Tommy about all these things, and... Um, it was crazy to see his face light up, his heart light up, and for him to have such a sweet spot in his story for this thing called Sky and connecting with Ann and myself. He had nothing but good things to say, just completely overflowing out of him. And it was like he just turned on right in front of me. Now, the one thing I walk away with with the whole story of divorce and thinking about relationships and time and energy and involvement and participation, intentionality, kind of what goes into those is just that, I don't know if you guys, you guys didn't know me when I was in middle school and high school and college, but I was one of those guys who was always trying to get people together. Because work, homework, studies, that all could happen between the hours of like 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. But people were awake before that. You know? And I could hang out with them and bring them together and have a good time. Prioritize people. That's all I want to tell you. Prioritize people. I've seen it a million times when efficiency wrecks the whole thing. We hired some people to do Sky sometimes. And I would sometimes pull one person, one person in particular aside. And I'd be like, you got to stop being so efficient, man. Because it's killing it. It's killing it. Like, you're thinking, like, efficiency is what's making this thing click. And I'm telling you, no. you got to prioritize every single one of those students and talk to them and know their name and show them you care. Click with them. Always people. People over efficiency. Prioritize people, 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 and make those relationships click. Make them work. Put in the effort and try to make it happen. And when I say relationships, I want you to know, too, I'm talking about three really important ones. I'm talking about other people. I'm talking about your relationship with yourself. <laughs> and I'm also talking about your relationship with whatever kind of divine presence we're talking about. 
three relationships to really, really pay attention to and to kind of live a preoccupied life with. And when things get in the way, I wish I was the person. I swear, like, I'm an older version now. And believe me, when I'm saying this out loud, I'm saying it to myself as well. I used to be the kind of person who would prioritize people in a heartbeat. They knew it. They were like, Phil's outside playing disc. Like, and, and they just knew. Like, my door was always open, and it was like, here we go. Like, let's just forget we have any worries and responsibilities and just go hang out. Can we? And now I'm 41, and I'm sure my son is sitting here, Silas, and he's thinking, Dad, you don't always prioritize people anymore. And these past two weeks, as I've had some of those sacred moments come along and these things that just check me, and I've also like just been a part of I'm like, yeah, 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 I don't really anymore. And some of you are probably shaking your head, and you're like, well, you can't. You're an adult. You've got responsibilities. And I'm like, I can do it more, though. I grant, like, I can't always, but man, I could do it more. Because every time I do, it feels so good. It feels so right. It feels like one of those sacred moments. Like I made everything stop. I prioritized this person, these people right in front of me, and only this matters. And somehow it simplifies everything and makes sense. Feels so good. Feels so good. My last little story for you is, um, oh, well, I do want to tell this one too. Just went to a wedding, surprise. Um, and I'm at this wedding, and there's this, there's this grandma there. And she's like, she's like 93. And I'm, I'm in the room with the groom. And she came in and said something. And then she went away. And he goes, isn't she just the cutest thing? And I was like, she is. And so afterwards, I, I start talking with her. And we just start having the story. And I just can't get enough of older people at weddings. I really can't. The same thing always comes out of their mouths every single time. And she said, I can't remember the last time all these people were together. Isn't this just great? And she's just beaming, you know? And I walk away from that, it is great. And life gets in the way too much. Why does it take something like that to pull us together? To celebrate, to talk, to connect, to just push aside who voted for who and just love somebody, right? Like, honestly. So, all right, that's in the relationship bit. Moving on. Healing experience or whatever this weird thing was. Now, um, have you ever been hurt, hands? All right, yeah. So, okay, I'm in good company. Okay. Um, man, I had something happen in my life that I've been pretty bitter about and pretty judgmental about and pretty clueless about how to even forgive, or what does that mean, and what does that look like? I've, I know all about forgiveness, but apparently I don't. Do you know what I mean? And in the end, you're just like, how do I deal with that? What do I do? Just recently, um, I was invited to, to do something that I never thought I would ever do again. And it was scary for me, and it was nerve-wracking for me, and I popped a Xanax, I swear. And like, I just, uh, it was like, it was a hard two days. It was a hard two days leading up to that. I didn't sleep very much. Uh, I was having trouble eating. And I found myself speaking a lot 
whatever that divine personality is. For, again, for me, I, I found myself talking to God a lot, being like, you got to help me with this. Get me through this. I'm praying that when I go to this and, and, I, and I participate like this, that I won't have all of that stuff come back up. And I went and I risked it. And it was hard. And it felt pretty good. It felt pretty good. My mom called me afterwards. She was like praying for me during the whole thing, you know. That's what my mom does. And she's like, so how was it? How was it? How was it? And I was like, it was weird and it was really strange. And I don't really know if I said anything good. Um, but I'll tell you what. I didn't feel any resentment. I didn't feel any anger. I didn't feel the stuff come up. And she's like, good, that's exactly what I was praying for you for. And I was like, oh, thank God. That's pretty amazing. It was like this weird experience of um, me having to risk something really uncomfortable and just trying to go there and do something. And I feel like, I feel like if I was broken, like it's back together. I feel so much better. And the only thing I want to say with that is this healing experience thing. I posted it up here. I did a talk about it at one point. It's the whole Japanese practice of, uh, oh, I'm blanking on it now. It's, it's like three terms. What is it? Yeah, it's like kin. No, ikigai. That's, a, that's like the central, like what gets me out of bed. I just love the Japanese culture, period. It's the crack thing. It's like if I break, if I break a piece of pottery or a vase, this thing's not done. I'm actually going to put it back together, but I'm going to use something beautiful to put it back together. I'm going to use gold or silver. And so when you put it back together, the new, the new vase or, or cup or whatever it is, is that much more beautiful because of the crack, right? So it's this cool practice. It starts with a K. It's like three symbols. It's like kin, su, something. Yeah, that sounds really bad. Uh, but it's something. And I swear, I just want to mention to you guys for the whole healing experience thing, a lot of sacred moments can be found uh, when we are broken and when we are stretched and when life really does suck and when it really does hurt. And a lot of times you'll find yourself having to risk again in a lot of those situations because like, when we get hurt, you kind of do go into that self-preservation mode. Um, and it can be pretty difficult sometimes. And through the entire process, I would just encourage you at some point, when you kind of hear that voice or when you kind of feel that nudge, when you feel that invitation to step forward, to move on and to risk, to kind of go for it, you know? Because a lot of times, life afterwards, it's about wearing the scars. and It's about showing the scars. It's about living in that space, that new space, where you're something more beautiful than you were before. Tommy, in talking with him, my Sky alum, it was so cool because he resurfaced and brought up for me all these things that kind of I used to talk about at Sky. And one of the things that we desperately tried to do there was to create this space where everybody could be vulnerable, where you could show up no matter what happened in your day, if you needed to pull a leader aside, do it. Um, you could come and you could be yourself and you could be transparent and you could belong. And you knew we were going to be there every single week because we never canceled. 
even if the weather was really bad and parents were like, oh, you should cancel tonight. You don't want people out on the roads. I'm like, if we tried to cancel, we can never get the word out to everybody. So if you want to keep your kid home and you want to stay off the dangerous roads, do it. But I'm going to risk our lives to get there in case that one kid shows up and he's like, what? Right? And so like we would always be there. And it became this space where people could be vulnerable, they could show up, they could risk it, um, they could wear their heart on their sleeve because that's the environment. We wanted them to be able to be seen for who they were. Don't like talk some different way around us. We know you talk different around your parents. Talk like you would to your friends around us, please. Like be who you are here at this place. And for a lot of those students, that was kind of a healing, weird experience for those, that many years, you know? And so I would just say, in your life, you've always got plan A when you wake up tomorrow. It probably involves work. I'm just going to ask you guys to pay more and more attention to plan B. Whatever those slight interruptions look like, however you can listen up to this kind of divine personality presence in the world, Whatever kind of nudges, invitations you feel forward, like you feel to move forward in your life, however that might be, even if it's risky, even if it's strange. Like I know this talk is kind of all over the place, but that's where my head and heart have been for the past two weeks. Pulled and tugged in so many directions. And then when you kind of sit with those moments and you pay attention, you're like, hang on. I don't know if this is so much an interruption as, as, as much as it's like the thing I should really be paying attention to. This is kind of the thing that should be preoccupying my mind and heart right now. And I don't want to just curb it. It actually needs my full, undivided attention. And so that's kind of my idea behind living preoccupied here tonight for you guys. Um, if I wanted to say one thing to you guys, and you could remember it forever, right? Because you've heard some Phil talks, and maybe this is your first one. Who knows? But like, sometimes you tune me out. But talking with Tommy Moles, apparently some of the things that I said stuck with him. So I'm just going to tell you something. And I don't get too religious on these nights. But here's the deal. For me, I believe it wholeheartedly, from the supernatural to the superordinary, God is good. God loves you. God knows you. Because for me, God is love. And I've slapped a personality on love. And I think it fits. And I've definitely gone through times in my life where I feel like none of that is true. <laughs> but I always come back around to it. And a lot of those moments, I'm telling you what, Ellie Dice walked in tonight. And I hung out with this girl in Sky. And like when she walked in tonight, I was like, what? And on this night, are you kidding me? Plan B night? That's perfect. I can't get over that. I always come back around to God is good. God is love. God knows you. God knows me. So in the end, I'm sure you guys have your own stories and you've got your own baggage. You're not alone at all, ever, never. I'm telling you what, if you need some human interaction and connection, throw your name on the MTL list, OK? If anything, it's just an excuse for me to text you or bug you. But I'm sure other people from this group are going to do it too. 
No equivalent to the human interaction thing, right? So, to wrap up, whew, be on the lookout for the sacred moments in your life. Let them interrupt. Live your life preoccupied in that sort of way, right? Let it completely direct you and take you just at the last moment and, like, be your focus. Like, in the end, like, it's worth it. Those are the moments. Those are the moments that really carry us along and keep us. So listen, look, interact, anticipate, invite all the sacred moments. And may you live your life preoccupied, totally preoccupied by the stuff that really does matter. All right? Any questions? Any clarification? You can ask it right now, I swear. Anne, she's always got good comments for me afterwards. Did I miss anything? Julie? Tommy Lowell, Tommy Moles lives in Chicago. And here's the deal, guys. Like, um, well, if you want to know what Tommy Moles does, he works with DNA sequencing like that targets your specific DNA for cancer treatment. He works with a company that does that. It was the guy who invented Groupon, and his wife got breast cancer, and he said, man, I feel like we're throwing darts at this cancer thing. And he pushed a ton of money towards this DNA sequencing thing that takes all your slight gene mutations into consideration for treatment. It's so cool. I was blown away. But um, yeah, he's in Chicago. And I met him because I married Jan McSmarin to his wife, Kelly Kennedy, up at 10 Mile Station on Friday. That was the coolest thing ever. I got to see like Jeff Monopar, Chapo was there. I got to see like so many cool Sky alumni. But anyway. Yeah, Chicago. I told him, it's, what's funny is, because I grew up in Illinois. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you grew up in Breckenridge, and you, you moved to Illinois. Like, <laughs> I moved away from Illinois to like here. You know, like, that's pretty cool. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for showing up. Take posters, please. Um, yeah, and then we'll see you in two weeks. I think I might be talking about leisure. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But thank you guys for being here tonight. We'll see you next time.